0: Hi, this is John O'Zanting, lead pastor of Evolved Church, and this is the Evolved Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. In May, we spent three weeks together in a book in the Bible called Galatians in a fifth chapter, and we, we defined freedom, a three-part series that we just called free. And if you were in the room for that, awesome. If you weren't, awesome. That's okay. Uh, you can always go back either through our audio podcast or YouTube channel and kind of re- revisit some of the things we've talked about, but we promised you that we were going to start a series On the fruit of the Spirit, uh, also found in Galatians 5, which we're starting today. And there's nine of them listed in Galatians 5, and so this is a nine part series. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for this? And we've titled this series, Living Free. If it's for freedom that Jesus makes us free, and we now know what freedom is, Go back and listen if you don't know. Uh, if it's for freedom that Jesus makes us free, how do we live free? How do we stay free? What does that look like in our lives? And Galatians 5 talks about living free, a life lived in the spirit, and that's where we want to go today. You know, when I was, uh, when our kids were younger, they learned this song. And in, in like, I forget, Sunday school or something, it goes like this. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. I'm here all day. Try the veal. Uh, However you learned it, uh, there it is. And uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's the beautiful thing about fruit. Not once in my 46 years on planet Earth have I walked through an orchard and observed an apple tree pulling its branch in close to take a bite of its own apples. Not once. Not once. Why does it bear fruit? For the benefit of others. And I want to start by making that really, really clear. Sometimes we desperately call out to the Spirit of God at work in our lives and say, I need more joy. When what he's saying is, I need you to be more joyful. Right? It's actually the fruit that we're meant to bear isn't for us, right? It's for others. And so I want to start with that today as we look at part one of this series. And I want to pray. And I want to invite you into... Not just words on a page, but something that is alive and active and at work in our lives here today, Scripture, the Bible. Father, we, um, we pause in this moment to remind ourselves together, from the youngest to the oldest in the room, to remind ourselves that you care deeply about how we're being formed. You care deeply about who we're becoming. And you invite us today to read from the Bible, not just for inspiration, but for transformation. Not to just feel better about showing up in the room, but to leave here with a renewed sense of what it looks like to be your son or your daughter, what it practically looks like in real time. We're open to change today. We're open to growing today. We're open to inviting your words to hit our hearts in a way that might even hurt a little bit today. But thank you for your love and your grace and your wisdom and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so I invite you into Galatians 5, 22 to 26. If you have a Bible, go for it. If you don't. Most of you don't, it's okay, (laughs) it's on the screen. That's why we do that, it's neato. But Galatians 5, 22. But but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There it is. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross. They've nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, crucified them there with Jesus. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Galatians 5, 22 to 26. There's a very popular saying in the world nowadays, and I've seen it a lot. And the saying is this, love is love. Love is love. And that saying's been used as an argument, as a presentation, as a motivation, But there's a, in this sort of post-Christian Western culture that we live in, this woke culture, love is love. Anybody in the room or online heard that saying before? Anybody? Come on. Show of hands. It's just not true. Woo. Did you know that love isn't love? Love isn't love. Think, Think about it. I love Pilates, is very different than I love mid-century design, which is very different than I love fish tacos, which is very different than I love my father, which is very different than I love my children, which is very different than I love my wife, which is very different than I love Jesus. Love isn't love A 16-year-old young man makes the statement, I love my girlfriend, and he means it. I'm not saying I don't believe him. It's just that those of us who have lived in a covenant relationship for many, many years, working towards and fighting for a love that is selfless and sacrificial and costly, would chuckle at his statement. I want to know what love is. Give it a few years, boy. Come on. Love isn't love. It's not. My phone's ringing. It's neat. I'm going to turn that off. And, and I want to even just say, you know, Jesus in John chapter 15 says, says this about love. He says, the greatest love, no greater love, No greater agape than those that would lay down their lives for somebody else. There is no greater love. And if Jesus says there's no greater love, there must be lesser loves. Love isn't love. And as we get into the fruits of the Spirit, and as I remind you that you're meant to be a a fruit bearer, you're meant to bear fruit, the Holy Spirit at work in your life, all these teenagers sitting in the fourth row here, phenomenal. From the, the youth in the room, who, by the way, some of our youth preached on Friday night. I better, I better look out. They're coming for my job, I'm telling you. Um, from, from our youth in the room to our kids in the bigs and middles and littles to the oldest sitting in here, I won't point out who's the oldest, but uh, you, know, you know who you are. I love you. All of us in process, in this moment, today, in this season, you're called to be a fruit bearer. You're called to bear fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to pull out of your life, not so that you can have a better day, but so somebody else's life can be enriched, somebody else's life can be impacted, somebody else's life. And so as we talk about love, there's no greater love than this agape love that, that Jesus invites us into. Galatians 5 says, the Holy Spirit produces this love in our lives. Those who belong to Christ have have nailed the old person to the cross. I'm done with who I used to be. And we invite the Holy Spirit to make all things new. We're living by the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I love the message translation of this. What happens when we live God's way? What happens? Are you ready? What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit, appears in an orchard, and, and the, Eugene Peterson, using the word gift here, the Holy Spirit brings gifts into my life. Woohoo! Thank you for those gifts. No, no, the gifts aren't for you. They're for others. He bears them. You give them away, right? Okay, can we agree on that? That's, that's the foundation, okay? When we live God's way, what does that mean? How do we live God's way? What's God's way? Free, Living in the freedom of Christ, that's God's way, and that's what the writer here is meaning because he, he's already talked about freedom. Verses 1 through 21, we've covered that. May 15th, 22nd, 29th, we unpacked the first half of this chapter, what it means to live truly free. But the evidence of you, the evidence of the real you, the inner you, being made free in Christ, is that his spirit produces tangible fruit. Tangible gifts in your life, and that's made known by how you give credit to Jesus and how you live. The gifts are given away. They come off of you. You don't pull that branch in and eat your own fruit. Other people taste and see how good God is by the fruit that your life bears, how you engage with the world around you. I want to start by saying the work of being made free rests entirely on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He did that. He looked after that. That was the last series. I'm not going there again. The evidence of being made free is us living surrendered to his spirit's nudges and prompts and coaching in how we're meant to live. That's the evidence of how free you really are. The evidence of how free you are in Jesus Christ is the fruit that your life bears to the enrichment and the encouragement of others around you. The fruit of the spirit is the lifestyle of those who are filled with and energized by the Holy Spirit. In this room are people who have made a very wise, thoughtful, intelligent decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. Are you perfect? No, welcome to the club. It's okay, none of us are. The day we're perfect is the day we're dead. Until then, we've got stuff to work out. Somebody was like, whew, I can, all right, this is good. But the evidence of you surrendering your life to Jesus and being filled by the Holy Spirit is the fruits of his spirit impacting how you live. Being made free, Jesus did that. The evidence of being made free shows up in how you interact with the world around you. Jesus teaches in Matthew 7, he says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act, okay? Here's Jesus teaching, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes, no. Can you pick figs from thistles, no. Hypothetical questions. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Now, this good word, we get caught up on this because we think this is supposed to be about how we behave. I have to be good. And then really quickly, we're back into religion. If I'm good enough, then God loves me. If I'm good enough, then Jesus must appreciate me. If I'm good enough, that's not, that's not what's going on here. This is like you've been made free inside, and so the natural expression of that is that you bear fruit in a way that honors Jesus. Not good as in behavior, good as in the condition of your heart, good as in the condition of your inner person, the soil where this fruit is being grown up. Are you free on the inside? Do you know what it means to walk in the freedom of Christ? And if not, that's okay. Go back and listen to the series from May. All right, go back and have an understanding. In 2013, we moved into a new home in Winnipeg. And in that first uh, summer... I planted an apple tree. I was pretty pumped. I'd never had an apple tree before. I envisioned, you know, coming out the following spring and plucking delicious apples. You know, feet up in the backyard, just an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? I planted that tree. Well, guess what? I was pretty disappointed in the first year. That tree didn't bear any fruit. It was in process. Want to know something? The second year, it also didn't bear any fruit. I'm like, this isn't fair. I know people that have apple trees. They're always giving away apples because they have so many they don't know what to do with. I want apples off of my tree. Guess what? Third year, still no apples. But the fourth year, somebody get excited. Did that tree bear fruit? Yeah. And so I also want to say, you're not meant to compare your life to other people's fruit. You're not meant to look at the love or the joy or the peace or the patience or the kindness or the goodness or the faithfulness or the gentleness that somebody else has given off and go, I want a little bit of that. Stay patient. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay patient. Stay surrendered to the spirit. Trust the agricultural work of God as you live in his ways, as you stay in his words, that the fruit is coming. I've never run a marathon before. I'm told it's quite the experience. I'm willing to live vicariously through other people. I have a friend that ran a marathon and he was hyped because he's like, you're surrounded by all these other runners. You're constantly being encouraged. It's really just about your personal best, right? You're not racing against, you're technically not racing against the other people. You're racing against yourself. It's about your personal best. Guess what? Same, same. Same, same. Throughout this series over the next nine weeks as the Spirit of God invites us into Scripture, it's with a picture of a marathon that God wants to set you free today. This isn't a sprint. This isn't a comparison. No comparisons. Not, am I living better than so-and-so or am I more joyful than my spouse, more patient than my husband, That's not what this is about. It's not about comparisons. But we are surrounded by other runners, and we are constantly encouraged, and it's about your personal best. It's about you living surrendered to Jesus, to the freedom that he paid for, and then consistently bearing fruit. Galatians 5 says this, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let's make sure that we don't just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means, here's where it gets good, that means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original I, isn't that brilliant, the message translation of this passage? Come on, run your race, follow Jesus, steward today, long obedience in the same direction for a lifetime of being surrendered to his will, his spirit, his words, and bear fruit. And if you're, if you're unsatisfied with the fruit that your life is bearing right now, don't give up. Don't quit, right? It takes, sometimes it just takes a little more time. Stay rooted, keep watering, keep fertilizing. Don't give up, it's gonna happen, stay patient. Agape love, we're talking about that today. Here's the love, when Jesus is saying, I wish that my spirit would produce love in your life, the kind of love that you give away. If love isn't love, and we're meant to look to the heart of Jesus to discover what real love is, Agape love is to will someone else's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. Do I agape love my wife every day? No. Because I'm human. I want to. But sometimes... I defend who I used to be and then I get into trouble. (laughs) And I'm really good at judging myself by my intentions and judging her by her actions. Let's be honest. Am I really good at agape loving my kids every day? No, just ask them. And I'm okay sharing this. Here's why, because you're not either. <laughs> let's not pretend. Let's, let's not pretend that we're better than we, like, don't we do that? We judge, we judge other people by how they treat us, but then we judge ourselves by what we intended to do. Come on. The very first evidence of you, the real you, the inner you, being made free in Christ, is that his spirit produces love in your life. A real love, a love that gives credit to Jesus in how you live and how you engage with the world around you. As I was studying, I was reading through a commentary by F.F. Bruce, and he wrote this about this verse. This is God's own love. As manifested in Christ which floods their lives and springs up in a responsive love to God and Christ and to one another and overflows to all mankind. This is the kind of love we're talking about. God's love that that manifests in our life, that shows up in this like, okay, God, I'm learning to receive your love but also love you in return to love Jesus in return and then love the people that are closest to me and that love spilling over to impact the world that we live in or as Romans 5 puts it for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love John 3:16 The very motive for God reconciling, making us right with him, the very motive for that was love. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The very heart, the very beginning of God, the very example that he put on the line for us as a starting place for how to bear fruit was, are you willing to love in a way that reflects my heart? Are you willing to love in a way that wills other people's good ahead of your own no matter the cost that's a dangerous love some married couple in the room is processing right now you're like i would i would like to love my husband or my wife that way but they don't love me like that so they don't deserve for me to love them and if i do that then they're going to take advantage of me that's the risk that that's the risk as we presence Christ in our homes and in our marriages, the risk is today, moving forward, I decide to put your good ahead of my own and regardless of what it costs me to love you. And then I trust, fingers crossed, I trust that you can reciprocate. And even if you don't, I'll persist. And even if you don't, I'll lean in. And even if you don't, I'll stay the course. Because sometimes it takes time for people to bear fruit. We've all got wounds and fears, things we've been through, stuff that's traumatized us. We're afraid. We're protecting ourselves. But it doesn't change this truth. The Holy Spirit wants to produce agape love in, in my life and in yours. In a powerful, practical, tangible way that impacts the homes and lives that we live. Big question, are our lives noted for how We will the good of others ahead of ourselves, regardless of the cost? Or are we free in how we love? Are we living free in how we show love? As we close, I just have three ideas that I want to share with you, encourage you to lean into in the time we have left. Number one, real love is our starting place. It's our motive. First Corinthians 16 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. It's not what we do, it's who we are. We don't act love, we live love. It's who we are. Ephesians 5, For once you were full of darkness, old self, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Does that mean we're perfect all the time? No, it just means that's God's desire for us as his people, as we live in his ways, as we find ourselves figuring out what it means to live in the sphere of his love. There's this inner work of the Holy Spirit that wants to pull this kind of love out of us. It is eminently fitting that agape love should stand at the head of this list of virtues, this list of nine. For love is the measure and the goal of freedom. Believers have been set free for the purpose of mutual service through love. And the measure of their freedom is, at least in part, their ability to place themselves in loving service to neighbor. The measure and the goal of your freedom in Jesus is not just so you can be hashtag blessed and live a good life. It is so that you practically impact the world around you with how you example his love through your life. To will someone else's good ahead of your own, regardless of what it costs you, is the measure of how free you really are. To will the good of other people, despite what it costs you, is the measure of how free you really are. Free with your time, love. Free with your money, love. Free with your gifts and abilities, love. Real love, that's our starting place. That's our motive. And real love is our starting place and our right motive keeps our hearts free. Keeps our hearts free. And you know this. If you were to trace back through the narrative and the story of your life, it's in seasons where you've forgotten to love this way That you felt most in bondage right it's in seasons where you've gotten too self-focused too inner looking on your own needs too complaining about how the people around you aren't taking enough care of you it's in those seasons where you're like wait a second i'm feeling pretty trapped right now real love living out real love as our starting place and our motive that's how we stay free my second idea Real love keeps things simple and keeps things holy. I also put it this way. Real love keeps things simple by keeping things holy. There's a simplicity in trusting the boundaries of the Father. There's a freedom and a simplicity of trusting the boundaries of the Father. Galatians 5 says, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your old sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Love is meant to keep us in check. Real love, real agape love, real like I will your good ahead of myself, even though it's going to cost me something, is meant to keep us in check. And you could look at any area of your life that's out of balance or that's challenged. Think about it. Can I get, can I poke, can I poke a couple things? Do I have permission to poke a little bit? A destructive, addicted habit of looking at pornography does not will someone else's good ahead of your own. It just feeds an insatiable, unending compulsion inside of you. Right? And so this isn't a guilt statement. This is a Jesus wants to make you free statement. But real love, our ability to serve someone else at the, at the cost of my own moment of pleasure... Real love says set it aside, lay it at his feet, invite the spirit into that, find healing. Surround yourself with accountability and mentors and resources. Grow. Learn. You can do this, son, you can do this, daughter. But real love means lay that aside so that I can love well in my home. Love's meant to keep us in check. I could say the same of any kind of substance abuse, any kind of compulsion or addiction or workaholism. Is that a word? Work, workaholism. I could, I could say that about all these things. To will someone else's good ahead of your own regardless what it costs you is the measure of how free you really are. Romans 12 puts it this way. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And, and then it gets real. Here's how, to, here's how to really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And so in the relationships that matter most to you, and you know what those are. What's destroying honor in those loving relationships? Come on, teenagers, what's destroying honor in your heart towards a parent right now? You get to lay it at Jesus' feet and say, actually, I can love them. Even if you don't think your mom or your dad deserves your love, you can presence Jesus in a brilliant way in your home with how you will their good ahead of your own even though it costs you something. Real love, hating what is wrong, holding tightly to what is good. Romans 13, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. That's it. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love. If I love you, I won't steal from you. I'm going to will your good ahead of my own, even though it might cost me that thing that I want to steal. Right? Love is Love is the boundary. Love is the simplicity. Love is the holiness measure. If I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't murder you. If I love you... I won't commit adultery. It just got quiet. Uh, (laughs) If I love you, I won't covet your new car. And we sum it up in the heart of the Father by saying, I choose love. I choose love. Real love keeps things simple, keeps things holy, keeps our lives free. When we don't have to stress about our character, or our integrity, or our reputation, we just get to live. It keeps things free. Simple, holy. Lastly, real love keeps us moving forward. Final thought, and I'm done. Real love is our motive. Real love keeps things simple, keeps things holy, and then we mess up. And then we miss the mark, and then we drop the ball, And then we forget whose we are and then we don't get it right. And the the enemy of our soul would want to whisper in those moments, see, he's not as good as you thought he was. God's not as good as you thought he was. But the Spirit of God says, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. Dust yourself off, get back up. Because real love keeps us running to the Father. Real love has us repenting For where we've sinned and missed the mark quickly. Real love has us making amends dust off, get back up. Will you forgive me? Here's what I'm doing to course correct. Real love puts boundaries in place so that we can grow, so that we can change. Real love never gives up. Real love never quits on our faith. Real love endures through every circumstance. Love is our motive. Love keeps things simple and holy. And when we don't get it right, real love keeps us moving forward. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. You might be in the room today. You've been married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you find yourself in a place where love has changed in your home. Love has shifted. It's stopped being about how you can will each other's good at your own cost, and it's become about a defensive back to the wall. You're not meeting my needs anymore. I I actually just... I trust that the work of the spirit in the room is going to restore some marriages today. I want to know what love is. To will their good ahead of your own. And it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you an opinion. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your right to be right. Right. Because love puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back. Oof. But you did that thing, but I asked you to forgive me. (laughs) Never looks back. Keeps going to the end. Holy Spirit, are are our lives. Are our lives noted for how we are willing the good of others ahead of ourselves, regardless of the cost? Are we truly free in how we love? Of these nine, the first evidence of you, the real you, the inner you, the I've been made free in Jesus you, The first evidence of you being made free in Christ is that his spirit produces agape love in your life, a real love, the kind of love that gives credit to who Jesus Christ is at work in the world and how you live, how you engage with the world around you. And so here's your homework for the week. On purpose, I haven't read the rest of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. If you've got a smartphone or if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4, verses 5, verse 6, and verse 7. I think it's probably the best um, measurement of what love looks like in our our lives right now. It specifically talks about that the fruit of love that the Holy Spirit wants to pull out of you is patient. That kind of love is kind kind of love isn't self-serving. The list goes on. i want to give you permission today, just just today. And then tomorrow morning when you wake up, I invite you to, to lean into the voice of the Holy Spirit giving you permission tomorrow. And on Tuesday when you wake up, trust that God's going to give you permission in that day. But I want to give you permission for today. To be reckless in how you love. Reckless in how you bear the fruit of real love at work in your life. For somebody in the room, that actually means learning to love yourself first. Because Jesus says, love God, love others as you love yourself. And it might be really hard for you to show this kind of love to other people until you begin to invite Jesus to help you love who he's created you to be first. For somebody, it's just going to start with a healing work of God saying, come on, daughter. Come on, son. Who I've created you to be is more than enough. Would you allow how I see you, how I find worth in you to define today, to remind you of of the purpose and the strength that's on your life, the gifts and the abilities that I've hardwired into your DNA from the moment you were created in your mother's womb. I don't make junk. You might have to learn to love yourself, see yourself the way the Father sees you, and for others to be reckless in how we're living free by giving our love away this week. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. That's your homework, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. That we would become a people who will others good ahead of our own, regardless what it costs to us, is the measure of how free we really are. They, they will know that we are Christians by our love. Amen? Can we pray together? Father, we, we say thank you thank you that your heart is for us i just want to speak to hearts in the room today that have forgotten forgotten to look to the heart of the father you've forgotten to look to god first in how he sees you you've believed the lie of a parent that spoke destructive words over your heart that have eroded your identity and your self-worth. You've believed the words of, a, of a, a boss or a coworker or a sibling. Maybe you've believed the whisper of the enemy that your life doesn't matter. Father God, in Jesus' name, I invite your love to drive out fear in the room today. Your perfect love casting out fear right now. Your perfect love whispering by the, by the voice of your spirit, renewing somebody's thoughts towards themselves, reminding somebody of, of the gifts and the abilities of their life that have left, been left untapped because they believed a lie crippled somebody under the heavy weight of fear and anxiety and worry. Holy Spirit, I just sense you just healing hearts today. Restoring worth and value as only a loving father can do. Calling the best out of your daughters and sons in the room. Healing hearts, Jesus. Thank you for your love. And for today, we commit to being your people. We commit to staying in the sphere of your love by carrying that love with us in a practical way. That picture of an apple tree extending its branch to somebody else. The fruit of love, nourishing revitalizing somebody else's life today. Let us start with ourselves. Let us start in our homes. Let us start in our marriages with our children. Let us start with our parents and our siblings. Let us steward today the fruit of love as Holy Spirit longs to produce it in us. It's who we want to be, Father. as we close out our service today, maybe you're watching online for the first time or you're here in the room and you've never made your own decision to surrender every part of your life to the faithful work of Jesus. You're still trying to do it on your own strength. You're still defending who you used to be. And today, your heart, as I've shared these ideas, your heart's just sort of settled into the peace of God in this room and settled into this confident hope that Jesus actually wants to lead your life. Jesus actually wants to guide each step. Jesus wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit for encouragement and coaching and correction and strength and wisdom and purpose. that the Father's not angry at you. God's not disappointed in you. There is no religious checklist or boxes that you've been futilely trying to fulfill that matters to God's heart. All he says is, will you rest in the price that Jesus paid through his death and resurrection? Trust that that's more than enough to make you truly free. And will you today surrender your life to the leadership of Jesus Christ and step into real freedom for the first time? If that's you in the room today, I just want you to acknowledge that in your own heart. Acknowledge that God's doing a work inside of you, drawing you back to his heart, drawing you back into relationship with him, up close, personal, real. In a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer together out loud, a prayer of dedication and surrender, a prayer of faith. And we're all going to pray it out loud, all of us here in this room, everybody watching from home, I want you to pray it right there, wherever you're watching from, in community with those that are praying this prayer for the first time. The Father says, come. So would you pray with me? Just repeat after me. Dear God. Thank you that it's for freedom that Jesus makes me free. Today I choose to anchor my life in the love of Christ. Forgive me, heal me, restore my heart. Thank you that you're making me new today through your sacrifice, through the price you paid that I'll never have to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit evolvechurch.com. We hope to see you soon.